Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. Uh, joining me today is Brian Vitali. Hello. Hello. Yes. So this is the November 24th, 2018 edition. And so, yeah, as you'd expect, uh, at least here in America, it's a holiday week with Thanksgiving and all. And so it's been kind of slow in terms of some of the bigger news out there. Uh, I guess, you know, clearly people are kind of just coasting to the end of the year anyway, although there's still some big releases left uh, in terms of the industry. I'm looking at you, Smash Brothers Ultimate. Ignore the spoilers. So, yeah, um... You and I, Brian, we both got to celebrate the holiday, so did you do anything special for your holiday? Uh, nope. I live very far away from my family, so I spend it kind of just as a long weekend, which is perfect for me. Yes. Uh, you and I both have relatives that are in Iowa, and so I also did not go home because I had already been there a month ago, and so they were like, okay, that's fine. Uh, that's good enough for us. Um, th- for me, it's the other direction. I plan on seeing them in a month for you know, Christmas and winter holidays. So it's like, why, why come twice in two months? Just just wait till Christmas. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's like Thanksgiving is one thing, but Christmas, you got to go. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm the same way. I just spent most of it playing some Bloodborne, which I'll quickly just say that I am become kind of addicted to. I woke up yesterday morning and I had Octopath Traveler in my hands on the Switch in my bed. And I was just like, do I want to... Oh, but I could really start Bloodborne right now because that game has been at the corner of my eye on my PS4 on the on the uh, what do you call it the home screen, and so I finally started that yesterday uh, after playing some of it when it came out on PlayStation Plus as a free game back in I believe March, and yeah, just I played some of that with Kazuma, and I picked up some of that again yesterday. I've gotten past the uh, Shadow of Yarnum bosses, which is in the Forbidden Woods. People who don't know that. Uh, people who played it uh, may be familiar with that. But it's just about, like, maybe... I, I don't know if it's halfway through the game, but it's a pretty good chunk uh, uh, through it. And I'm just going to wrap that up. And I've con- I found out that my skills in Neo carried over all right. Because that boss I just mentioned, they have three different bosses with three different fighting styles. Anyone who's played Neo, I mean, you don't even have to, really. It's that the thing that they love to do in that game is throw two or more bosses your way in terms of a challenge, like a side challenge that you can do. And so I've become kind of adept at dealing with that crap. <laughs> and so took care of that relatively painlessly. And now I'm just moving on because Bloodborne, I think my favorite part of that game is that it's so fashionable. Like all the clothes are pretty amazing. Uh, I don't know if you've ever played it, Brian, though. I played Bloodborne when it first came out, but like I never, like I I played it, I beat it, and then I kind of never came back to it. Like even when the DLC released, I never came back to it. Yeah. Um, I do, I will say that I never played Neo, but my kind of trainer for dealing with multiple enemies at a time was Dark Souls 2, which the way that game plays versus Bloodborne, it's not as friendly because it doesn't, uh, incentivize movement as much unless you really build into that so it's a lot easier to to manage with uh getting hit in bloodborne where you can get where you can you know attack and be more aggressive and get your health back where in dark souls most of their games most of the time unless you specifically build for it you you get into a stagger lock and then you just die (laughs) yeah that's I mean, you do definitely get some of that in Bloodborne as well, especially with the uh, Forbidden Woods with the snakes, where you get like uh, one of them, like this walking snake head demon thing, 
can summon snakes around you and so you get kind of stunlocked amidst them but yeah um it's but like i i don't remember i remember the bosses but i don't remember what order like i remember father gascoon being very very annoying um i don't remember when you fight him though pretty early i remember struggling a lot like the the bloodborne beast or the blood the beast that ends up doing like a, a, a dot type damage on you whether it's his aura or his vomit i forget like that's a uh, blood starved beast that's yes, what it is blood starved i don't remember beast, when yeah. you fight i don't remember when you fight him but i remember he's the one that i probably struggled with the most until the very end of the game yes uh, and i haven't fought obviously when people talk about the dlc bosses like the orphan of costs or other bosses i don't remember I'm like thank goodness i never had to deal with those guys because they sound <laughs> even worse yes uh i I was thinking about picking up that DLC even if I'm currently playing the game, but I found out that it had gone on sale for like six bucks. It's normally twenty. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, and I failed to pick it up at that time. It's not on sale during the Black Friday deals going on right now, so uh, that's unfortunate. But you know, honestly, I think that I'd probably be like you. Once I beat the game, the main game, I'll probably have my fill because I don't really touch much DLC unless it's part of the package like neo i think that the season pass was on sale for like six bucks speaking of which actually or it was like pretty cheap and i picked that up and i it actually soured me on the game the dlc and so probably it's for the best <laughs> that i don't well uh, defend for me what i what i like to do is even though i know bloodborne only had one dlc pack yes. it's a larger one or whatever but most of the time i just kind of take the same uh, mindset where I'll play the base game, then I'll wait for all the DLC to come out, and then I'll get back to it. Now, in the case of a lot of games, that's like a season's pass worth of DLC. In terms of Bloodborne, it's like, well, it only had the one DLC. Why didn't you get back to it? <laughs> the well, one. I I didn't have a I don't have a PS4 anymore. So oh, that's maybe right. for maybe for maybe for Christmas I'll get one, and then I'll also have to get a copy of the game and etc. Like, <laughs> you so there's this. a bit of a hurdle to get back to the to get back to, and then I have to start a new file. So there's a bit of a of a stretch that, that I'd get back to it anytime soon. But I enjoyed what I played of it. It was great. You know, I'm not really feeling like I missed out because I didn't play the extra content. No, I mean that was yeah, the old hunters um, is what we're talking about. But yeah, you did share a PS4 in the past. Um, it's a bit of a shame it never came to PC. I know that's kind of like everyone part begging for that kind of stuff. But, you know, after this, I'm almost assuredly going to jump on to Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. I already beat 2 in the past, but I guess I could just go. I, I, I think I want to have another go at it um, because I kind of cheesed my way through that game with the Soul Arrow <laughs> build, which is just stay well, in the we're back. Only, we're only a few months away from, uh, from Sekiro. And it's kind of weird the way they... Um, they advertise it like when they first brought it out they're like this is not an rpg this is not an rpg and then i feel like they've kind of backed off on that where it's like well it's an action game with some rpg elements (laughs) yeah so i guess we can cover it (laughs) like even if it's not an rpg or is an rpg or whatever you know it's going to have the same like at least base dna so for people that played dark souls 3 back in 2016 or whenever it came out and it's been been enough of a gap since then. I think it's kind of a good time for us to see what FromSoft's got going next. Oh hell yeah! I mean, that's the thing. Like that Sicario looks so much fun with the grappling hook and all. Uh, it's obviously Neo up the pace a bit, uh, quite a bit, honestly, from the Souls games. But then this is just a whole other level, considering you can just jump on different structures uh, at certain points and 
pull enemies towards you and like fly around them there's so much kinetic energy going on in that game that looks like so much fun i i wish we got a chance to try it but yeah it's gonna be out next spring i guess so we'll have to uh i think that even with that going on the fact that it may not have much of an rpg thing chances are we'll still cover it in some capacity just because uh right yeah it's i mean i'm I'm sure some of us will play it anyway so whatever (laughs) it's 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 from software they've been doing better and better in the whole polishing department although to be fair bloodborne has a lot of bugs a lot of enemies jumping at me and then suddenly disappearing in the environment so i can't attack them back i've been killed from below the ground uh a few times and that's never cool because you can hear them a lot which is very unsettling and then they straight up kill you from the ground or a pig knocking you through a wall it's it's all kinds of it's a little messy still a little messy but nowhere near on um another game that I think we should talk about now. Speaking of bugs. <laughs> Speaking of messy games, let's talk about Fallout 76. Because, Brian, you covered that game for us. And you typed up a huge article. I think longer than maybe I've ever done one. And I sometimes take pride in the length of my articles. But you had a lot to say. So tell us a little bit about... I, I did read your review, of course. But I'm more interested in hearing like um, a more summarize of your thoughts of that game. Because it sounds like it's as bad as people have been making it out to be, which is no surprise. Well, to start out, I feel like there's almost two versions of the game. There's the console versions, then the PC version. And usually the PC version is just the console version running at a slightly higher resolution or frame rate with Mm -hmm. maybe a couple other little things. It's not worth making a dividing line. But here, when I look at these reviews that talk about the frame rate dropping into the twenties or when you fire a gun, like it ends up stuttering like mad. And I'm not going to say the PC version is a good port because to be, believe me, it's not, but it's like (laughs) the difference between bad and really bad. (laughs) So um, I have, I have a pretty modern computer. So the only real headaches that I ran into running the game performance wise was having to deal with the new client and, having a lot of like the the game doesn't have a lot of basic options when it comes to anti-aliasing or field of view. Like you can't really toggle a whole lot. You just kind of have to. And so people have already like before the game was even out during the beta sessions, people are like, well, what can I edit in the files in order to make this run the way I want? And you know, that's not a good sign. (laughs) The INI files. Yeah, that's not good. It's like, do you, do you want, do you want to have a higher field of view? You got to go into this file and edit this number and make sure it's read only. So it doesn't change back. And it's just like, if it's that, if it's if I'm looking, if the game's not even out yet, I'm looking around for ways to tweak it because it's not performing well. That's just it's just silly. It should, it's, it's, there's no reason for it to be that way. It's like uh, near Automata a little bit because people are building engines to make it deal with ultra widescreen and stuff like that. I, I remember like um, right. I think Phil Spencer talked about recently that you know the Microsoft Store is a bit of a mess, especially game for Windows. And he said one of the issues also is the ultra widescreen problem. It's like almost every game has that issue. Do you still have an ultra widescreen monitor? No, I I am one of the guys that I I'd rather have multiple monitors than one ultra widescreen. Oh, so that's right. It's multiple. I feel, that's I, feel it. I, that's I feel like yeah. I feel, yeah, I feel like I'm in a different camp when people say, "Where's the where's the ultra wide support?" It's like, <laughs> yeah, I agree that that's becoming more popular and it should be supported, but it's not something I currently use. It's multiple. But anyways, yeah. going back to going back to Fallout, like it does yeah. have performance problems. I'm not I'm not making the argument that the PC version is good and the console versions are bad. It's just that the PC version is less bad. But what it what it leads me into the crux of my review is that I feel like the weaknesses of a game are not 
they're not rooted in the engine as much as the, the, the consensus will lead you to believe. I don't think, I think it's rooted in bad design decisions more yeah. than, you know, technical issues. So when they announced the game in E3, so not long ago, like we, this game didn't have a title more than six months ago. They said that there aren't there aren't going to be any human living NPCs, which is like okay, that sounds like an, a decision to make to kind of really tie yourself to that setting, sure. But then you start to realize there's obvious things that you give up when you make that decision, and then there's less obvious things. So obvious things like there's no there's no companions, there's no towns, or like you know habited towns. There's no, there's no stealth. Well, there's stealth for enemies, but there's no like subterfuge. There's no uh, yeah. pickpocketing. There's there's no lying to people to try to, you know, get a better award or to pick sides. It's <laughs> so much so, fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, because there's so basically it just kind of strips away a bunch of options and like stripping something down to 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 make it uh, a smoother experience or a more streamlined experience isn't necessarily bad. But in this case, there's just so much that's given up. So like there are robot NPCs and you think, oh, okay, that might uh that might take their place. Maybe it's maybe this human NPC thing is just a technicality. But like everyone's already compared Fallout, you know, three in New Vegas to four when it mm-hmm. comes to their dialogues. Mm-hmm. And then like 76 goes a step further. Whenever you run into a shop owner or a robot NPC, you interact with them as if they were like a container or an item to pick up. And they'll just kind of chirp out their lines at you and if it's the right person, you'll end up with a task in your quest log. And it's like, go do this. You didn't have a say in the matter. You didn't, you couldn't ask for a better reward. You couldn't say, no, I'm not doing that. Or you couldn't, you know, you just, all they are is they're functionally no different than a hollow tape or a note on a corpse or oh. anything else. Yeah. So there's so like the, so the quest design stuff suffers because there's no meaningful decisions made in questing. It's all just a, a list of tasks. And the only decision is, do you want the reward? Do it. If you don't want the reward, don't do it. <laughs> that's, that's so weird. Considering like even in Fallout 4, the robots, they had personality. <laughs> like there was still something there to, uh, you know. And I know uh, and I know people always go back to New Vegas as being kind of like the general, generally considered the best quest design of the series. But even in Fallout 4, you have the railroad and the, um, the Brotherhood yeah. and then uh, the different factions that, you know, eventually at some point you had to pick a side. You had to wait, you know one side here there's none of that everyone's dead so you just do the list in your pit boy in the order that you want like there's no thinking it's all just it's all boiled down to this most mundane possible version of that sort of design That's and all because they decided that there can't be any human npcs some people might defend that and say like well you're the first people out of the vault in the setting of this game of course there's not it's like, well they could have rewritten it so that there was waves of people out of the vault and there's there's the, the land is freshly inhabited. So you've got some people that are trying to stake their ground and yeah. you're going to help them out. You know, they, they, they could have tweaked it so that it didn't have to be that way, but they made the decision. Nope. It has to be this way. Everyone's dead. Did you, so not did, only does the, oh, sorry. I, I just want to quickly point in because I know you're going to move on. It's that you heard the story about the people, like the actual players that are posing as NPCs to help new players. Did you hear about that story? <laughs> they're actually um, legitimately doing that yeah the, the thing is is that that's kind of the way that they that they defended it they're like well every human's going to be a player so everyone's experience will be different but there's two problems with that one you're put into a random server every time you log in 
So there's no persistence from game to game. Um, and two, it's a giant map. So that's one of the things that they boast about, that it's X percent bigger than Fallout 4 or whatever. Yeah. And then they put like 20 players on it. So the chances of you running into someone are pretty slim. And like in a, if you're playing in a long several hour session over an evening, you might run into one or two people if you're lucky. And chances are you might just cross paths and that's it. You don't. You might wave. Your goals aren't going the same place. You're not really um, having the. You, 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 there's no emergent storytelling. Like I teamed up with a person because no. all they're doing is going because because uh, all they're doing is going through the same set of mundane tasks in their pit boy that you are. Oh so. my gosh, it sounds like No Man's Sky a little bit there. It's like oh yeah, there's people out there. Chances are you won't see them. <laughs> Just or as you said, emergent gameplay with it. It kind of reminds me of yeah, the launch of No Man's Sky. Like all these pie in the sky promises about how amazing this will be i mean obviously no man's sky was a whole different level because it was an entire universe but still it, it makes it seem and like then, they like, don't know what they're doing not only does the quest design suffer but the writing suffers because obviously there's no overarching narrative no. but you might say well there's good environmental storytelling and like the most skeptical people will say like well bethesda environmental storytelling only it consists of skeletons in different poses. There's a, there's, a, there's a nugget of truth to that. Yeah. But there is also, there is some good uh, storytelling where you'll go into like uh, a red rocket shop and then underneath you'll find like a, like a satanic den with, with like a, a mole man in it. Like, and there's like notes and like, you can kind of piece together interesting stories or you go into like, the upper area of a church and you see like a whole bunch of supplies stored away. Like this is someone's last bastion of, you know, defense. So there is some interesting storytelling, but it suffers because they all end up being like the last days of this person. Like this person ended up, you know, eating their friends and then they died because everyone in this game died. Or this person ended up playing with their toys up until their last day and then they died. Oh my this gosh. Brotherhood of, this, this Brotherhood of Steel member went deep into this cave to try to, you know, solve something about the mystery of the Scorched Beast and then they died because everyone died. Like there's only so many ways you can permute the story of someone's last days and keep it interesting. So by the time by, by the time you get to like your fourth set of characters, it's like it just all the stories just kind of drone into each other because it's like Oh, this the, the sad state of the world. Everyone's dead and dying, and no one's you know you know you're not going to find anything at the end except the corpse, and that's oh always. That's, so that's uh, that's that's a long uh, list of that's a long yeah. list of things. But basically, I'm saying you can see why I really think that the design issues of the game are much worse than technical problems. The technical problems will be buffed out. A yeah. lot of them already have like the like the run speed being tied to your frame rate on PC that got a few, you know, that got, that got the, you know, the necessary dunking on, on social, it's already been fixed. Other animation issues are, will be fixed relatively fast, but this design issues, I feel like that's a long road where you say, how do I make this world actually fun to play in? That's, that's my main issue with the game. Not, not any of this technical stuff. Uh i'm not gonna say it's a non-issue but it's it's that's b that's part b yeah i mean it is an online game so there are there's a pretty good chance based on this reaction and considering it's gonna be a long time uh, till we see what's the name of the next bethesda that big bethesda game they revealed as well starfield starfield that's probably not gonna be out for at least another year or two probably two years honestly maybe next generation of consoles um 
so 2020 in the earliest. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you could definitely see them saying, okay, okay, we learned a lesson. Here are some NPCs. They, they, they came out from the vault. You know, we can talk to them. Here's some better immersion storytelling because, like, I remember even Oblivion having... Like you would go inside a cave and it would be like all these stories about, you know, this person ate all the other people in their traveling group and then you just happen to find that person. And this, as you said, it's very dead end every step of the way. Um, But I imagine them making those changes considering it's an online only game like this. Uh, So otherwise... It's it's kind of sad as well that uh, for Black Friday for the weekend you can already get the game for like thirty thirty five bucks. <laughs> oh, it's only been like out for like a couple weeks, if that. Oof. So um, I do want to wrap up my thoughts on the game by yeah. talking about the couple things that I do think it does well because I did score it a five, so I do think there's a nugget of a good core there. I think that the the general kind of gameplay progression of starting at your camp, scrapping all your items, you know, crafting up and repairing your armor and gear and Going out on an expedition, finding uh, a new a new recipe for uh, a consumable that will help you a lot, or a new a new weapon mod or whatever, going it back, and I think that general loop is strong. And then tying together your perks and your gear and your special stats into like a cohesive build that all jives. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're like for for instance, if you go high into strength, that's good for both shotguns and melee weapons, but not as good for rifles. Um, but you still want to be able to uh, have good accuracy so you or action points. So you might also want to spec into agility or other things. Like there's there's a lot of cool like build calculators on online. And it's it's interesting to see like you're given these set of tools. Like you have a limited number of points to slot into uh, the seven stats. And you, you can get all these perk cards that you can either get multiple low-level perks or a fewer number of higher-level perks. Mm-hmm. And I do think that it's, a, it's, a, it's an engaging set of mechanics. And I hope they actually carry it forward into the next uh, – or a version of it into the next single-player game. Because I think there's really not a whole lot to – to have a heartache about for for that for the core like the the if the bells and whistles of the game are lacking i think that the foundation of like the builds and the gear and the perks is actually solid it's just it's just unfortunate that they put it into a gameplay system where it can't shine and there's not a lot of motivation to really to to keep on yeah that's that seems like that's the case i mean it does. I mean, I, obviously there was something there that drew people to it. If it wasn't for like you know maybe like the power armor looked pretty cool, like you and a group of you and you three your friends all wearing power armor going through the wastelands. Uh, but yeah, if there's just if it's a, a de- as desolate as they make it out to be, uh, and it ends up <laughs> like the actual gameplay mechanics are desolate as well. There's definitely not any reason for someone to play that game longer than maybe a couple weeks, which is probably not what their intention is for a game that's meant to be their online only game i mean as you as you were talking about like you were picking out some of these cool mechanics it's it's like it's their first online game you know but this has never made a game like this before i mean they've made online games just not a game like this before so i'm uh for for a studio that's so single player focused when even that is not when that's lacking as well uh you just wonder how disjointed the development must have been if they just didn't come together at the end like this but you know. Right. So like you end up, so once you're a high enough level and you've got a good set of power armor and you've got a, a build that you really like and a weapon that you that fits it well, then you kind of end up at a stone wall where you're like, well, I guess I can go to this location and kill more super mutants. <laughs> like yeah. there's no motivation there. That's that's where the game really struggles. And that's why, you know, that's why I think a five out of 10 is 
a good score for it because you have this you have this engaging set of mechanics and then nothing to do with them nothing oh. exciting to do with them yeah so. you think like there's no courier to keep giving you quests like in skyrim or something like that it's like no these are just as you said like empty containers of quests uh like tapes and stuff like that that you can use this and then and then the game uh the games the game's excuse for a main story ends with you launching a nuke which is kind of like the end game task so you do that and it's a very it's a struggle it's a mess it costs a lot of resources you fire it gee whiz it's over and then like you're at the point where it's like well i guess i can fire another one like there's no like once once you once you hit that point you're like well now what now what do i do oh my gosh in the other games in the other games you could finish up side quests you could explore you could uh replay the game to see to play the story more uh more negatively or more like you know renegade to use a mass effect term or, or whatever you know it's, you, there's so many things you could do where this game it's like well i completed that list of tasks on my fifth boy that was something that was good <laughs> i mean yeah i i, I like read somewhere it's like so like i parted my nuke at level seven who didn't do anything and i just fired it at him instead um I mean, it's important to like point out that yes, you know, this is a multiplayer game. It's not meant to be a single player game. But once again, you know, it's like even if this is about to be like, um, what do you call it? Uh, I'm I'm thinking of the term instances. Uh, it's supposed to be like an instance server where these things are happening, and then you leave, and and that's it. Kind of like Ark, I think, does that with the servers. Doesn't carry over. I mean, there's other games too, like Daisy and stuff like that, but. Uh, you know that's it's it's a shame that there's no reason for people to want to play longer. Um, but well, for for a multiplayer yeah. game, it does make sense that there's some amount of replayability that does kind of boil down to being like tedious tasks. Yeah, and that's that's saying it a little negatively, but like there, it, it makes sense that there's some low level quests that you just kind of do to get materials or to get ammunition or whatever. Like for instance, there's an interesting one where you defend a food processing plant. And if you succeed, then everyone on the server gets uh, free food in their inventory. Ooh. Like that's kind of a that's kind of a neat idea. It's yeah. like this camaraderie. Like, and it was actually kind of interesting on the Reddit where they're like, "Where is this food coming from?" And then when people <laughs> piece it together, aha, you get canned meat whenever someone defends the meatpacking plant or whatever. The only problem is, is that every quest is like that. There's no like in in an MMO, you've got your main story quest or your your you've got your raids. Where here the raid is, you fire a nuke and you hope for some good crafting materials, um, and like that's kind of it. Like there's no there's nothing there's nothing that counterbalances that tedium. Like in the in in, in another multiplayer game, you might do a couple tedious tasks to build up your gear, build up your uh, inventory, and then you and you go do the more interesting thing. But in this game, there's there is no more interesting thing. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's. Yeah, that's where the game falls short. Yeah, I think people are imagining their heads that there'd be a lot more players. Obviously, as you said, the game is supposed to be a magnitude bigger than a Fallout than the Fallout Four map. Uh, you think people would have like, all right, there's like tons of people on the server. They're all ba- uh, in bands and groups. Uh, they have their own forts and things like that. And people might commit like do raids on these other uh, fortresses to try to take their resources and all the stuff. But no, it doesn't sound like there's much of that. Uh, at least right now but you know they can always build up from this foundation that they have hopefully they do right hopefully they do well aside from that uh, i don't know how much you can talk about this game but you've been playing some dark siders 3 as well yeah speaking of tangential action slash rpgs so dark siders 3 is kind of a game where it's uh i've played the first two games i really don't have 
fond or unfond memories of them. They were, you know, they they were what they were. Um, oh. Darksiders three, I feel like, uh, is kind of like if you set your expectations right, it can be an enjoyable game. Like it's it's not going to wow anyone's socks off. It doesn't do anything you haven't seen before. But I think if you enjoyed the first two games generally, I know they played a little bit differently. Where the first game was more like a Zelda, and the second game had some Diablo esque. Uh, aspects to it this game doesn't play like either of those it, it plays more like a no please don't crucify me it plays more like a dark souls and <laughs> like once i once i'm able to review it you'll see that i'm not just saying oh it's a third person game with a similar camera therefore it's dark souls no it clearly takes a lot of inspiration from dark souls and the way its inventory works and the way its uh boss design works so so it's kind of interesting to see the same sort of art style and framework tied to yet another uh, series, popular series. Um, oh boy, it gives me like ideas of like Lords of the Fallen <laughs> in terms of that. Is it kind of like that at all? Right. I don't know if you played that. Oh, game. I haven't played. I haven't played Lords of the Fallen. Oh I gosh. think for what it's trying to do, it's it does it pretty well. Like mm. the the game's embargo uh, unveils on Monday, but people other websites have already unveiled hours of footage. So I think it's kind of yeah. uh, it, it's not it's not super strict. I hope, um, but. I think if you set your expectations right, if you're not expecting this to be a graphical showcase with a giant, huge campaign, like if if you think of it more as uh, a double A, you know, game that it takes inspiration from Zelda and Dark Souls, and then the comic book style from that Joe Madura, I forget his name, uh, the same guy who did Battle Chasers, uh, the art. Yeah, he wasn't directly involved in the art here, but he obviously the art from the first couple games does carry over. I think if you kind of go in with those expectations, it ends up being uh, a surprise, a nice surprise. So cool. I think it's 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 on par with the rest of the series, I guess I'll say. So for fans of the series, I think it's a perfect game. Yeah, I mean, it is to make a note. It is a full price game. I just looked it up. Um, so for a double A game being sixty bucks, uh, we'll have to see whether that's enough for it to kind of break through i do, i did think it was pretty cool when i, I noticed is that dark status 3 is also going to be released on gog uh which i don't remember too many games of of this size being released on gog i obviously it's they've got a huge amount of older games uh that's their bread and was butter. it darksiders 3 that also is getting like localized in a ton of different languages i think i saw something like it's getting arabic support yeah like, farsi and you know Persian. it's it's like multiple yeah, languages it's super impressive you know even if like you know the game is what it is it's like they are obviously trying to appeal to as many people as possible and all hats off to them that's a lot of work it kind of it kind of feels like it's made by fans for the fans like they're not trying to say like how do we get the most sales out of this or how do we wow people the most they're just like we want to create a good solid darksiders game yeah obviously darksiders is not some like bastion of great gaming it's you know it's an okay series it's fine it's good and that's kind of what this game is it's fine it's good you know um (laughs) i will say though that it's uh it is a little short i did finish uh, my first review playthrough in about 18 hours. Uh, so, and also for some people, for some people they say like, "Oh, shorter games, sign me up." But it's it's not an exhaustive experience like a Dark Souls game. If you play it thoroughly, it's going to take you a bit longer than that. I feel so. Um, it could be a, it could be reflective of the game's budget or uh, the development time or whatever. But it, you know, it's a it's a simple, short, sweet, efficient experience. So, yeah, I'll have more to say on Monday. I think 18 hours is probably like maybe about, it's around 
first the first two were as from my memory but that's i think dark side is two was longer than the first one was so that's right. yeah it was yeah <laughs> and so it's a you know to go back to dark siders one 18 hours is about the length of a zelda game you know yeah. other than breath of the wild it's it's so, funny you mention that because so, like dark side is one people were like hailing that as like the best zelda game that nintendo has not made and you know it's like it's it's, yeah. it's they did so it's i, I do want to say so we're, for people that liked one and didn't like two this game doesn't really go back to that it doesn't have like darksiders one clearly has the bespoke dungeons and the small keys and the dungeon map and the compass like it very it wasn't shameful about no. where it was getting <laughs> no. its inspiration from Not so 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 that's what that so this game doesn't play like that but it does do the same sort of thing only with dark souls instead so uh did the did numbers I'm, pop up I'm, their heads? I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person that rolls my eyes when people say like spyro or crash bandicoot is like dark souls but this game once once i'm able to touch on things in the review you'll see that it, it is and it's not really being shameful about it it's it is yeah i mean earlier games were harder by default uh compared to what we got later on uh but that's yeah i mean as you said a lot of games are taken off the inspiration of what is i guess you would call the hardcore rpg like lords of the fall and the surge which might be a better comparison for this kind of game it sounds like because it's way more action oriented than lords of the fawn which is kind of deliberately slow paced um but that's I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see what your thoughts are on this game your final thoughts because this is something that i've been looking forward to because it's been kind of a quiet quiet last few couple months if you're not into smash brothers uh it's weird because just cause four is out in a couple weeks as well and no one's talking about that well, also in general like the 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 window of these double a type titles is tiny like yeah. everything's either kind of a, a free-to-play like mobile service sort of game or it has to be this giant thing like there's not a whole lot of middle ground in, anymore so this game is one of this game is a double a game i don't know if it technically is based on its budget but that's what that's how it, that's how it feels yeah that's and, uh, yeah and i think that's that's fine like i think i think everyone's library could use more games like that <laughs> good, good call good call and this is a different development team as well thq nordic pick it up every team left and right to make their next properties uh to to buy a bunch of properties right, they've so, been coming to it so, so uh, I was just going to yeah, say, like, kind of like mini, mini Microsoft, you know, when they purchase up all these developers. I... So, the developer of Darksiders 3 is uh, um, Gunfire Games, which yeah. I don't know much about Gunfire Games, but they do, they advertise it as if that there are X Vigil games from the original gate series on this team. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think you can tell. I think you can feel that this isn't someone else just slapping the name on it. It feels it feels cohesive and consistent. Yeah, so. I was I was going to compare them more to like Interplay, who bought up a bunch of uh, studios in the '90s and then went bankrupt in the 2000s. So we'll see. We'll see how things go. Oh. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the first thing and not the second thing. Yeah, that's. I mean, Interplay. We're going back to Fallout. You know, they're the ones that had that property before they gave it to Bethesda, and then there was like big lawsuit about that stuff. So yeah, uh, hopefully none of that happens to THQ Nordic. I'm glad they're picking up a bunch of properties, and I look forward to the. Um, look forward to see what what they can come up with. Uh, anyway, uh, so let's move into the news of the week. As I mentioned before, it is the holiday week, but there's still some big news that dropped. Uh, for one thing, after uh, five years of development, over five years of development, or at least since it was first announced, I think when it was announced, it wasn't even in development, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I think that was just a trailer. I think Nomura admitted. So Kingdom Hearts 3, 
has gone gold. They said it's wrapped up development. Uh, I won't believe it till I see it. <laughs> I know, right? It's. Um, I, I guess you see a lot of it, though, because they keep putting out a bunch of different trailers. Um, so they put out a, the Together trailer uh, as part of the announcement uh, this past week. And that was just an extended version of the trailer that's already shown in North American cinemas. And so people checking out a bunch of kids' movies will probably see it. They'll probably be at Durin Wreck-It Ralph. It'll be there as well. Um, uh, but the other thing is that Amazon is going to have their Cyber Monday stream. They do this every year. Uh, but uh, early on that stream, I think it's 1 p.m. Pacific, I think they said, is when it's going to kick It's going to kick off. They're going to reveal uh, yet another new trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, alongside that, they are said they're going to announce some special DLC for uh, this is exclusive for Twitch Prime users, which just means if you have Amazon Prime, you get Twitch Prime. That's basically it. So one thing I wasn't sure on this, are they saying that the DLC announcement is exclusive or that it's actually Twitch Prime exclusive DLC? I imagine it'll be a code and you can probably buy it, but I imagine it'll be a code because uh, my, I, I'm curious. I'm like, I was thinking, okay, you know, this could be because they said there was going to be DLC. That's not a surprise at all that there'd be DLC right. for this game. But um, I don't know if it means there's going to be sponsored keyblades or sponsored gummy ships. Like you can slap the Twitch well, Prime logo like, on the like side. The, the Windows, the Windows edition of Final Fantasy 15, only the Windows one, as far as I know, got some Twitch Prime DLC, and it was kind of this th- not. Just above throwaway stuff. It was a, a, a chocobo that was purple with googly eyes, and then like, oh, that's a, right. a, and then a, and a regalia that was looked like it was was beat up and rusted. Like it just it was kind of like this floopy stuff that you don't really care about unless you're a, like a whale, and you must have all the different cosmetics. So I mean, I'm obviously I could be wrong, but I anticipate that any prime exclusive DLC is going to be something like that, where it's just going to be a cosmetic silly thing. Yeah, but. It is what it is. So yeah, purple gummy ship sounds like yeah, it'd be... a pur- uh, yeah, purple a purple keyblade hilt something purple like that. Keyblade. That'd be all right. I mean, I, the stuff like that's subtle, like that, cosmetically subtle, and I think the googly eyes chocobo is pretty hilarious. So I'm okay with that as well. Like honestly, as for, as for the trailers, I feel like yeah. we're at a point where unless you're a super mega fan, like they've reached the point of diminishing returns, where they all just kind of blend <laughs> together, and the, it's like fifteen. Everything just kind of becomes this smear of trailers and uh, cameos though i will say that it does feel like a lot of these trailers or all of them like the, the final fantasy influence seems like it's greatly diminished it's disney plus original story like i don't remember seeing a whole lot of or if any final fantasy cameos in many of these trailers trailers which for some people that might be you know what they want but it does just it does kind of see it seem interesting to see that kind of be others yeah that's that's definitely that's definitely what I've seen as well, and they're focusing more on the uh, on the Disney worlds, which is good, because that's what I come to the series for. I think back when I reviewed Birth by Sleep, I even said it's kind of a bummer that they don't put more Disney focus in this in these games because that's what really drew me in the first place. Aside from you know obviously being Square Enix or SquareSoft as it were originally, like you can look at the Kingdom Hearts one box it says SquareSoft. That's how long the series has been around. That's right. been kind of nuts. Uh, but yeah, that's that's cool, and yeah, there'll be a new trailer you'll uh, on Monday, and you bet we're gonna have that on the site when it goes up. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. January twenty ninth is when Kingdom Hearts three comes out. It's just a couple months away. It's kind of nuts to think it's that close, but uh, looking forward to checking it out when it finally does. 
On the next piece of news we've got here, um, Bandai Namco announced the next entry in the Super Robot Wars series, Super Robot Wars T. Uh, So not only was that announced for PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch, which is the first time that series has been on there, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, it's only been a year since the Switch came out, so that would make sense, right? Uh, But they also announced that it's going to be out also in Southeast in English in 2019. Uh, Of course, this has been the case for the past... A uh, couple of releases where they've been putting this out. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the last Super Robot Wars came out the same week in English as it did in, in Japan and Japanese. And so people can pick that up. Uh, usually it goes up on the Singapore PSN, so chances are that's where you're going to be able to get it. But I think that this really sounds really cool um, because they added some new properties. Uh, so there's four new uh, series that are being added in. You have Expelled from Paradise, which is kind of like this quasi-anime CG movie that I really enjoy. Uh, that'll be a part of that. Um, you've also got Arcadia of My Youth, Endless Orbit SSX. I think it's Captain Harlock, which is pretty great. Uh, Cowboy Bebop, which I'm very shocked. I did not expect Cowboy Bebop to be in this. You just got the their giant frigate that they've got uh, to do their bounty hunting in. I don't remember the name of the ship, so don't ask me. I watched that series like four years ago, so I'm trying to remember it. I think the ship's just called the Bebop. The Bebop, that's right. It's just the Bebop. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, Well, out of all this list of robots and ships, that's the only one I recognize. That's my normie. (laughs) Of course. I appreciate appreciate that because I was going to probably get a lot of hell for not knowing that. Uh, But also, Magic Nut Rayearth, which is crazy. Uh, I love that. Uh, I actually uh, went through the Saturn game last year for a Let's Play, and I went through the entire anime series as well. And so I've gotten like the strong connection uh, to to all the all the different characters that we've got here. So it's it's been it's kind of it's kind of amazing that they're able to do that. Um, Hikaru, Furumi, people, the characters. But yeah, uh, that's awesome seeing them on there as well. And then they quickly announced in English, and so all the text was translated. And if I'm not so, the first one that they put out in English was OG, uh, Super Robot Wars OG, uh, original generation, and that had a terrible localization, or at least it was pretty almost machine translated. It wasn't great. A lot of problems with that one. Um, maybe not as bad as, as as I make it out to be. But the last one, and this is something that Josh posted a review for on the site, that was pretty darn good. And it had, uh, I think they obviously invested way more in the localization for that because they got a lot of flack in the first place. There's even like an encyclopedia that you can get really into the backgrounds of all the different characters in the Super Robot Wars. And you're talking about a series that has like uh, a couple dozen different properties in there, including like Gundam Wing, uh, Armored Trooper, and all, all that kind of mobile suit game, uh, series and stuff like that, uh, even Mazinger Z. So they have like this huge history. That's a lot of text to, to translate, and they apparently did a great job with that one in the last game. So... This looks like it's even more beefier, which is going to be pretty cool to check out. Um, people who have never tested that series up before, it's, it's, it's English, so you guys can check it out then. Alongside that, they also announced that there's going to be a new mobile game, Super Robot Wars DD, uh, which will be for iOS and Android devices. It's a free-to-play game with microtransactions. They made a Super Robot Wars free-to-play game before. I think it was uh, like a couple years ago they put out a game like that. But this is going to be like another kind of in the same vein as the console games. It's a tactical RPG. Everything's uh, out in a grid. It's like a flat grid with sprites as as you're moving around with your fingers. Kind of like Fire Emblem Heroes a little bit there. 
Uh, but it has the full-on cutscenes, uh, animated cutscenes that the series is known for. That'll be in there as well. Kind of hope that'll be in English, but uh, wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> That's none of the games how, have been translated. How many, how many? How many mobile games can Josh juggle at a time? Because this oh is a plus God. one. I don't know. Honestly, I don't I'm, know. I don't know that. For, I don't know that for sure. But this seems like it'd be right up his alley. Oh, I'm pretty sure he played there. I mean, the last mobile game I heard wasn't that great. Um, like I said, that came out a couple years ago. It had some original characters, but I don't think it was that well received. Uh, but you know, for all the characters that are in here, even Full Metal Panic, uh, Code Geass, and all these, I, there's a pretty strong chance he'll be playing this game uh, and probably be as addicted to it as he is his Freak Grand Order or something like that. So I know he dropped Dragalia Lost, and I'm probably the only one who continues to play that game on the staff. So, oh well, <laughs> uh, he needs more reason to spend his disposable income, I guess, on uh, virtual currency, as it were. So the next piece of news that we've got here, moving on from that, uh, Gamatsu is actually the source of this story because they spotted it in the first place from what I saw. Um, Parasite Eve has been trademark, trademarked in Europe. This is important because Parasite Eve was never released in Europe. Only the second game and third birthday were ever released there. And so this is the first time it's been there. Some people are like, why is it trademarked? Like That game already came out. It's because it's Europe. That's that's the That's the big news here. Um, it's kind of also interesting just because like, I wonder about the whole copyright issue with the fact that the author doesn't want to do anything with Square Enix anymore. It's like, that's why third birthday was named that and not Parasite Eve three, uh, which is a huge shame. That's why that series, a part of the reason why that series hasn't continued. If you want to look that up. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm guessing. So what, what, so what consoles can you play the original Parasite Eve on right now? Like what, what's, well, it's, PS, I mean, as far as I know, it's just PS1 and PS3, right? Because the PS1 Classic on PS3. Okay, because I, I didn't know if it was playable on PS4 through PSN or something. No, so, I don't no. know Sony's ecosystem that well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say that there's no PS1 games on PS4 uh, at all. Like, oh, that's... Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, for one thing, it doesn't play CDs, which is, you know, whatever. Like, it's weird that that wasn't included from the start. That was kind of the weird standouts that they couldn't play your music CDs. Um, whoever has those anymore, honestly. Uh, but, you know, other than, like, special editions that come with them. For some reason, they still put CDs with collector's editions and limited editions of video games. And I don't know. Like, I've got a deck in my car. That's about all the only place I can use that thing. Um, but... That is, yeah, that's all you can. So, in, in your opinion, why why would this be trademarked then if it can't be played on any modern system? I this mean, just, I'm just trying to think about what, what this what this could lead. I can almost guarantee that, based on the fact that we had Valk- Valkyrie Profile and Final Fantasy IX both show up on mobile in the past couple of years, HD versions, quote unquote, this uh, is going to be a mobile port, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, uh, because. From the people that I respect who play, who cover mobile games, Valkyrie Profile was very well made. Like, it was a very well made port. Um, even if people were kind of aghast at the idea of them doing that. I mean, obviously, it is a shame well, you'd pe- want a new entry. People, people always, yeah, people always just weigh the opportunity cost of, oh, it's not a sequel. I don't care about it. Or, yeah, you know, they, it's not three. They hope for the I best. <laughs> they hope for the best. They hope for the best. Um, but, I would say, yeah, like an HD collection isn't outside of the realm of possibility, um, or at least just the first game. I mean, obviously, the first game is the most well-received of all of them, uh, for good reason. That game is incredible. I like, I still like two. 
uh, it's kind of the Resident Evil clone a little bit there uh, with some RPG mechanics. I've never played Third Birthday, so I don't know. I, I, I'm a little uh, oddball. So when, on Valkyrie, I haven't played any uh, Parasite Eve game. And then on Valkyrie Profile, I only played the DS game, like Covenant. Oh, Which is like half uh, Japanese strategy RPG, half action RPG. It's weird. I don't remember much about it, but yeah, I don't uh, think people like that one too much. So, um, as far as I remember, I, I think mean, I, I think I remember liking the art, but <laughs> it's, it's true. It's got great art. It's got great art. Um, I think you'd love Parasite Eve. Honestly, that, that game I played that recently. That still holds up, and it's still amazing. Like how. Uh, intuitive it is and how well it controls because the first game is all like run around at a field and shoot the enemy with a turn-based mechanic it's not like stay in one spot and uh you know you take your turn they take their turn it's a lot more fluid than that which makes it cool maybe i'll have to keep an eye out for a mobile for it then yeah man i guess it could work on mobile i don't know i mean there are emulators and shit like that but who cares um but yeah parasite eve trademarked in europe that's all we got so far i imagine there'll be news dropping soon i don't know if any events coming up here but then again final fantasy 9 was kind of announced out of nowhere in i think it was january early february uh like they launched a website and it was in english and japanese and that's how we found out there was no announcement ahead of time so there could be something like this um and Valkyrie profile launched in march i think of, of this year so yeah i think they kind of staked out the early part of the year for their stuff to like make some sales before the end of the fiscal year i don't know it's weird i can't explain that um but if we get that and let's move into the last piece of news that we've got which is right i added this one yes you um, go ahead so yeah the pathfinder kingmaker the crpg from the russian devs uh, owlcat they announced uh a dlc season pass for it so I thought this was interesting because of two reasons. One, this game was the game that I reviewed in September that had that was not ready for launch when it did. But it, it recently had a, a huge 1.1 <laughs> patch. a lot of broken which, games. So, I just want to say, you play a lot of broken games lately. Brian. It's yeah, like, so, yeah Josh, so, someone throw me a bone. Uh, <laughs> someone throw me a polished. Uh, maybe Kingdom Hearts. That's the opposite. In debt for 10 years, right? Oh, my God. Uh, anyways, um, yeah. uh, so... I just thought this was interesting when you can compare it to uh, Obsidian because obviously Obsidian was recently acquired by Microsoft. Who knows if they're going to be making that sort of isometric CRPGs anymore? Probably not, but who can say? For uh, I don't know. They said they want to um, pump up so their CRPGs, but yeah, continue. Go ahead. So they, uh, they, they announced their DLC before the game launched. And if you're following my reviews of it, I thought it's been a pretty throwaway. So it was kind of interesting to c- compare that to this, you know, fledgling dev, much smaller than Obsidian, uh, have this kind of broken launch, go through a lot of effort to fix it, polish it, buff it out, and then announce DLC. So I just think that it just seems a little bit more... Uh, forward thinking i guess it's maybe a little bit cynical so since i've played this pathfinder kingmaker and fallout 76 back to back and both of those launched in kind of to be frank piss poor states i'm actually kind of mulling over the idea of maybe next summer revisiting both just to kind of see how far each of them come because obviously it's obviously it's too soon to say for fallout but there are people that already talk about so much you know a much better improvement on the pathfinder game and i know the crpg genre is niche to begin with but it is interesting to compare the player count of pathfinder kingmaker compared to dead fire like it is overperforming like you could call crpgs minor leagues in terms of 
what sort of audience they court, but I think it's hitting above its average. It's punching above its weight. Like it's, it's kind of been a surprise in, in, in that niche realm. Like it's, yeah. it, it wasn't just something that flew under the radar. People have, I, at least people that are, that are in that genre have kind of noticed it where dead fire did the opposite, where it has the obsidian name behind it and then just languished. It just didn't, didn't make any splash. <laughs> they knew what they so got. It's just, it's, so yeah. So it's just kind of interesting to compare and contrast them. Yeah. So, so I'm excited. Like, I probably won't play that DLC to Kingmaker as it comes out, but it'll be interesting to let it let, let the game continue to be polished over the year. But all three, I think the first one's next month and the last one's April. So by next summer, it'll be could be a much different game. And I'll, I'm actually interested in maybe trying it and like maybe not re-reviewing it, but you know, throwing up an editorial to see if it really uh, improved or not. Yeah, we so definitely we'll don't do. Yeah, we definitely don't do re-reviews. But it's something that I've all also considered as well because this is the only time I've ever going to compare path like a CRPG to Sword Art Online. Uh, but for example, Fate of Bullet. And Hollow Realization, both these Sword Art Online games, they had like substantial DLC updates, free patches, added a ton of content to the game that just wasn't there, obviously, when I first reviewed those games. And um, I've always wondered about going back. It's the same, like, you've been playing Monster Hunter World, and they continue to add all the stuff. I mean, I assume we won't, like, suddenly make it a 10 out of 10 or anything like that. But, you know, there's those kind of games where it's so focused on the DLC more so than the base game is um, that they add all this content, all these new monsters for you to fight, all these, like, themed events and things like that to make it exciting um and more interesting than it probably was before all these refinements and all these things happening that i think that's always an interesting idea to go back revisit it and as you said do an editorial like show people what changes right. were made if you were some, put off yes yeah so sometimes you look at a review score and you kind of have to weigh in your mind even for a single player game like how soon to release was this reviewed was it uh was this a review by a by a big website on the embargo release day or was this a review by a by a steam person that reviewed it <laughs> a year and a half after release like maybe that person actually has a more you know straightforward look at how the game currently you know is represented so yeah. it's just interesting that we live in a time where the game that occurs at launch might not be the game that is available to play a year after launch yeah it's just so there's no there's no excuse though i mean we review the game at launch because that's the state it's in and that's what we expect you spent your the most money a year from now that game is going to be like a third of its price if not more so like it makes way more sense than if you wanted to invest your money if it's on like a steam cell or something uh but you know make no excuses like if it's not good at launch there's no reason for us to like wait on them to make that have them make it better it's like not waiting until fall i I, I easily uh (laughs) i easily i easily uh dock points or however you want to think of it for pathfinder since uh if for people that aren't interested in the series and didn't read the review like i couldn't even finish it like you could argue that's a worse state than fallout 76 like oh. it just you could not play you could pl- you, you could not play the game start to finish at least fallout 76 you could finish you're just not going to be happy about it <laughs> you know you know it's a good review it. when you have people agreeing with you in the comments about how broken a game is like yeah you were you nailed it on, on the head it's like people are like not really defending it they know what's what the problem is that's how you know like they got work to do <laughs> so but anyways if, if obsidian's going to be making slightly bigger games now you know who's who's to say we don't know it'll be interesting to see if uh alcat ends up stepping into this field you know maybe maybe they'll be uh on the on the short list of devs making this sort of crpgs 
it's weird like it's not just them it's in exile as well they got picked up on microsoft and they were making like you know torment and bard's tale and wasteland and stuff like that like they were making some of the same games um and now like yeah they've got bigger budgets there's a good chance that they'll still make games like that but i imagine based on it being pc rpgs they probably want like something more robust than crpgs tend to be but then again you know divinity original sin 2 still a brilliant game like those games as well like they have a big budget and they can still deliver on something with a big budget so yeah i, I feel like those those games hit the perfect storm yeah. of you know art style uh you know, length. Uh, the, the, maybe it's a term to the turn-based system of those games compared compared to the real time with pause of the other games. But you look at the sales number of any of the games and compare it to Divinity. I'm not exactly sure how many things it did right, but it must have done a whole hell of a lot of things right because it's like doubling and tripling up sales and critical reception on any on anything else in that in that pool. So yeah, it's uh, it's a weird time. It's a weird it'd time. It'd be it'd be it'd be interesting to see if. Uh, my guess is that NXL is going to keep making those types of games and then Obsidian will be making more what they made, you know, a decade ago, but who knows? Yeah, I guess, I mean, NXL, if the rumors are true, it's, it seems like way more plausible now with Microsoft giving them the back end is that they're going to be making Baldur's Gate 3 because uh, that's been hinted at strongly. All right. Yeah. And so, you know, CR- speaking of CRPGs, like that, that can be their thing, honestly. Like they can make a big game like that. And then you've got, you know, who knows if Dragon Age, uh, the next Dragon Age, might be picking up on some of those same inspirations? Because okay, clearly they've had some problem with like uh, Inquisition, and what if they decided to go like pull it back a little bit and make an isometric CRPG instead? Like that would be crazy <laughs> with EA's budget, you know? Like I wonder if they do something like that because because they see Divinity being so successful and Pathfinder finding a huge audience on Steam with these high concurrent user numbers. Uh, so who knows? That'd be we can dream as much as we want to. We have a podcast. We can do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a fa- as a fan of that genre, I know I'm in a small you know audience, but I hope I, I hope that NXL and Obsidian, I hope at least one of them keeps pumping those out because I think I think there's a, a space for them. But yeah. Obviously, I know people want Obsidian to make Fallout, and they won't ever let them not make. <laughs> I'm being a little bit uh, cynical, but I, I hope Obsidian <laughs> does. I hope Obsidian does end up making something that people are can be legitimately excited for because I know the last six years of this Pillars of Eternity genre has left a lot of people, you know, uninterested. Oh, so yeah. whether it's Alpha Protocol, whether it's a new IP, whether it's Fable, who the hell knows? Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they're. Uh, I guess the rumor that is that Playground Games is doing Fable or something. But yeah, Playground Games. Every, every, everything's rumor at this point so i'm just gonna who i'm not gonna pretend anything is ironclad truth because none of it is yeah so, i mean we we'll just see. know that they're working on rpg it wouldn't be too out of the realm not that they're owned by microsoft they were bought up by them that that'd be their one of the things they could be looking at um but yeah it'd be kind of crazy to have an arena where you've got like all these big players and bioware back making crpgs would be pretty awesome too but that's just me it's pure speculation pure hope uh anyway We'll go ahead and wrap things up here. Uh, so, as always, you can find us on RPGSite.net. Well, once again, uh, you can find out Brian's Fallout 76 review. Uh, James also posted a review for Destiny 2 Forsaken, which is that expansion that we're talking about. I also posted a couple of interviews. I don't know if I talked about this last time, but I posted an interview for Underworld Ascended, another game, which I heard wasn't good <laughs> i heard that game came and kind of bombed a little bit which is kind of a shame yeah even even the even the uh even the biggest my my friends and my colleagues that are like the biggest fans of those kind of 
I hate to keep using the word niche, but those like those Western kind of Euro style RPGs. Like I feel like no one has anything good to say about that game. Oh, it's so shame because like, like even even like I feel, I, I feel like even Piranha Bytes titles and stuff get a little bit more love and in Exile titles than than what that game has gotten. Oh my so. god! This is the Looking Glass Studio, folks. This is the people that made System Shock, and this is what came out of it. Uh, I did that interview with like Warren Spector and and. And everyone, it's just it's just a big, big old shame for that game. But maybe they'll turn it around. But I think wasn't that the game also like they had like uh, they were trying to release like like last summer or last spring, and the reception was so bad that they had to delay it anyway. So uh, I don't I don't quite know, but yeah, we'll I mentioned that's it. All right. So also you can find us on Twitter at RPG Site. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash RPG Site Net, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash RPG Site Net. Uh, James has been playing a lot of uh, Pokemon Let's Go, Eevee, and uh, particularly the Eevee version of that game. Speaking of a November release, I actually was going to mention that that game has got a pretty big reception. Apparently, it's like the biggest Switch, uh, the fastest selling Switch game yet, which it's already at 3 million sold, I think. Helps when you've got two different games, but still, it's still a big, big deal. Um, And I think he actually, on today's stream, he played through the entirety of it. So we'll have the whole playthrough of that up on our YouTube channel soon. Otherwise, you can find us on Twitch t- twitch.tv slash RPG site. Uh, that's where it'll be for the VOD. You can also find us on iTunes, favorite podcast app. Just search for TetraCast. You can also find us on Discord. Our uh, permanent link is discord.me slash RPG site. And lastly, we'd like to show where you can find us on Twitter. So where can they find you, Brian? I am at Zeo Masicot, Z-E-O-M-A-S-S-I-C-O-T. And you can find me at Zach Reese. So, yeah, um, that's it for this November 24th, 2018 edition of the TetraCast. Thank you, Brian, for being a part of this. Thank you all out there for listening. And you can catch us next week for yet another edition of the TetraCast. Bye, everyone.